Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. I've been troubled because on social media, my wife and I, uh, we had some fun time last night. We, now, don't, don't get your minds twisted. Uh, uh, we, we, we laid in bed and uh, we totally listened to the entire uh, Jesus is King album by Kanye West. And I will tell you, that thing is hot. As a young folks say, that thing fire. Not, not fire, but fire. It's fire. You know, it's really good. I enjoyed it. But what, what, what caused me to listen to this entire album was a meme that my wife sent me. Uh, one of several. She's been sending me memes of what people are saying about Kanye West and how people watch this are even questioning his salvation. Is it genuine and is it is it is it is it real? Is it is it authentic or is it just for show? And, and you know what? God never told us to ask that. Right. As a matter of fact, he never told us to ask if somebody's salvation is genuine. He never told us to ask if somebody is really transformed. He said, matter of fact, check this out. You know why he told us not to ask it? Because we're not the ones who do the transforming anyway. It ain't none of your business. He said, do what? He says, go to the ends of the earth in essence. Right. I'm just making it short. I don't need to say Judea, Samaria and all that stuff. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? Go to the ends of the earth. Teach those people, everybody you come into contact with, everything that I've taught you, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then another big thing he said was love everybody. I don't see anywhere in scripture where he says, I want you to reach these people and then I want you to transform their heart. And once you transform their heart, give them the, the prayer of salvation. I want you to see if, they, if it's genuine. I want you to test them. He never says that. But we have Christians that are just dogging this man. And here's the part that really bothers me. By the way, welcome, Facebook. We're so glad you're with us today. Facebook Live. What bothers me so bad is watch this. Black folk, I'm going to say it because I mean, I don't care. Black folk, we are so forgiving when it comes to others, but we're not forgiving when it comes to us. We're judging this brother. We're condemning this brother. Oh, it ain't real. Oh, it ain't this and that. All because of, a, all because of who he's associated with. Right? But I don't look at who he's associated with on earth. I look at who he's associated with in heaven. Right? And I'm going to say the same thing. I say that because I feel the same way about our president. He says he's a Christian. Who am I to say, oh, he's not a Christian? I know he's not living like one, right? I know he's made bad decisions, but I dare you to look in the mirror and see if you haven't made some bad decisions yourself and call yourself a Christian, right? We don't have to agree politically, but if you say and somebody can confirm that you are a Christian, my job is to accept your salvation as it is, and God's job is to judge the authenticity of it. Not me, not you. 
So there's a song I want to I want to listen to really quick. And then I want to talk about I want to identify six cultural Christians that are in every church. Ooh, this is where I might offend you, but I love you because I really want you to do an in, internal an internal view of yourself for an external change. So it's not to condemn you. I want to help you. OK, so I'll identify six. But I want to listen to what Kanye West is saying in this song. Right. I want you to listen to what he's saying. in the song. we're not going to play the whole thing. I'll tell you when to cut it. So go ahead, honey. Play that. Listen to the lyrics. I couldn't put them up because we don't have rights to it. But I want you all to just listen really quick. Go ahead and play some of that song. So he confessed that he's a sinner. He said that I've been living for the devil all my life and I had to let him know that now I won't strike. All right. He said something like that. Y'all got it right. So he made a confession. First part of salvation is making a confession. He did that for the world to hear on an album. The next thing he did was you have to. The next thing you do is you profess publicly that Jesus is Lord. Then I let him know that God is my mission. He just confessed. He just professed. I confess that I'm a sinner, but now I profess that Jesus is my mission. God is my mission. I'm living my life for him is what he said. He even said publicly, I'm no longer doing secular music. And then here we are condemning this brother. And I'm not saying a black brother, a Christian brother. And here's the thing we got to catch. Guess who embraced him? Not people with melanin. Every post I see in the affirmative for this brother have been pastors and religious leaders who do not have melanin. But those who do have melanin, we've condemned this brother. And on this record right there, he said, I've lived my life for, for the devil. Right. Then he says, he, he's, that's his confession. I've, I've messed up. I'm a sinner. But I'm living my life now for God. This is the part I, I love. Wonder what the Christian's going to say. They'll be the first ones to judge him. Did he lie? Is he something like a prophet? And so any Christian who found it in their heart to judge this brother, got news for you. You are a cultural Christian. You're Christian when it's convenient to you. You're Christian when somebody believes what you believe. You're Christian when somebody's on the same side as you, right? You are a cultural Christian. So let's talk about that. There are several types of cultural Christians that the church needs to be aware of and do its best to avoid cultivating. Ultimately, they all stem from a works slash merit based criterion. They forget about as Christians, we don't we don't receive Christianity because of what we do, we receive Christianity through the form of grace. We become Christians through the form of grace. Now, here's what grace is. Grace is a gift that God gives to a people that don't deserve it and we can't earn it. Amen. It's not based on what you do. It's given by what he did. Catch what I just said. Grace is not given by what you do here on this earth. It's given by what he did on the cross. When he died on the cross and became sent for us, everyone who did what Kanye West just did on that album, confessed his sins and professed his affinity and love and commitment and mission for Christ. Guess what is now saved. So guess what Kanye did? He received grace in that moment. 
And no matter what we say about him or against him, we can't take that grace from him. We don't have the authority or the permission. God gave it. It's his. Right. So we got to understand that. So 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 here, here, here Paul spoke about this group of people. Paul spoke about it to the church in, 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 in Galatia. He spoke about it in Galatians chapter two, verse 20, 21. These people who thought that works and, and merit were accounted for their grace. Check out what he said. He said Galatians chapter two, verse 20 through 21. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now, pause for a moment. You got to understand who is this guy? This is a guy who knows scripture like nobody else's business. Right. And, 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 and back then, the only scripture that they knew was the Old Testament because the New Testament had not been created yet. Right. So when we talk about scripture and it's coming from Paul, Paul is talking about the scripture of the land that dealt with the laws of the land. OK, so you're talking about Paul who knew the scripture, the law. He knew how to behave and what to say. He knew about culture. He knew about all of these things better than anybody. But this is what he says. My old self has been crucified, meaning the self that was a know it all. He's dead because knowing it all ain't enough. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, I was living when I knew it all. I was living when I was telling Christians that they were going to be condemned. I was living when I could talk about me being from the tribe of Benjamin. I was living when I could tell you my pedigree. I was living when I was a Pharisee and I had status. But no, no longer am I living. It's Christ who's living in me. Right. So watch this. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat grace. The, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law would make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. If doing the right thing and saying the right thing and being a Pharisee and being from the tribe of Benjamin, this is what this is what Paul is saying, knowing all of this, being associated with the right people and, and doing the right stuff and saying the right stuff was all it took for me to receive grace. Then there was no need for Christ to die. He died in vain. But we all know that that's not true. But cultural Christians live their life as if it's true. Like because I behave a certain way, because I, I say a certain thing, because I vote with my I vote my morals. Right. Uh, I'm doing the right thing. Right. Oh, I don't cuss. I don't even drink. Right. And I go to church every Sunday. I tithe and I give an offering. You mean to tell me I'm not going to make it to glory? Have you considered social justice? Have you considered serving homeless? Uh, would you give up your lifestyle right now, every, your house, your possessions right now, just to serve God? Well, God didn't tell me to do that. That's what they say. If it's easy for you to be a Christian, then you have to begin to really assess, am I really a Christian? Because Christianity ain't easy. It's not easy. It's not. The church was this, this thing, this movement called the way, this movement called Christianity, it was born out of persecution. So if I'm born out of persecution, that means that I'm going to live with and deal with persecution my entire life. That's what this whole thing, we're going to deal with persecution our entire existence until Jesus returns and comes and claims his pure bride again. 
And if Christianity is easy for you, then you are not living the fullness of being a Christian. I'm being real with you. It should be a challenge. It should. We should all go through some stuff. We should be challenged even with do we know enough? Am I, am I equipped enough? So I want to really quick, really quick, really quick, because I got to get up out of here. I want to take these next 18 minutes and I want to talk about six cultural Christians that exist in the church today. All right. Six cultural Christians that exist in the church today. I might get all the way down to six before I identify you. Don't be offended. OK, just just know that. Here we go. I want to help y'all. Here we go. The first type of cultural Christian that exists in the church, and this is according to uh, the book that I'm reading, The Unsaved Christian, which is incredible. If you don't have it, you need to pick it up. It's a really good book. Here it is. The first type of cultural Christian that exists in the church today is what we call the country club Christian. The country club Christian. Let me explain. This type of, uh, uh, of Christian is known for uh, their lax membership. Right. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, this type of congregant, this is the type of congregant that has no devotion to the church. They're not involved in the service. They don't volunteer. They don't attend any type of group Bible study. They attend when they feel like it and they don't feel bad about it because their church doesn't mind. Amen. Lights. The tithe as they tithe as if they're giving represented their annual dues. Some churches, such as mega churches that preach the prosperity gospel, don't even require salvation as a prerequisite for church attendance. So it makes it all the more easier. If they get offended, they can always up and leave and give their dues to another church or club. The writer of the book, The Unsaved Christian, in Sarah, he says this, the local church can be an incubator of cultural Christianity or a remedy for it. And so when I say these things, and it's, it's never one to offend anybody. Remember, today we're doing an inward interrogation. We're doing an inward examination. We're doing an inward uh, uh, look at ourselves to see and make sure that we're not in this line of cultural Christians, right? So that's the country club Christian, right? And so what, how do we combat that? Because I don't want the church to become an incubator for cultural Christianity. The church should be a place, right, where we're speaking against it. We're doing something against it. And we need to be in a position where, you know, the early church, remember I said, was born in out of persecution. Bible says this, if you look at the book of Acts, which is one of my favorite books when it comes to church history, Right. It gives us an example of how we should operate. So here's what happened. You had all of these people from different backgrounds, different areas, different financial er different financial positions, right? Social economic statuses, different races, different cultures. All of a sudden, they heard a word that was so good, right? Catch this. That first church that started when Peter preached, none of them saw Jesus. They weren't there. They just heard Peter preach. They had come for the first time in this area because of the holiday for the holiday season. It was Passover time. So they weren't there to be witnesses even of Jesus' crucifixion. So here they are. Peter preached about Jesus' goodness, and that day thousands became followers. But guess what happened next? They didn't just say, oh, man, I'm in. I'm going through the membership class, right? 
I got my membership number now. I'm a member of this movement. They say, yo, this is so good, and I want to make sure it lasts. Guess what? I want to I don't want I want to make sure that we have a place where we can always meet. So I'm selling land that I own to make sure we can always meet. I'm selling houses, I'm selling possessions to make sure that everybody who's a part of this thing called the movement can eat, we can fellowship together, and the Bible says that they met every day. Every day, catch what I said, the Bible says they met every day at each other's house, sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. They went to the temple every day for prayer and worship. Not every Sunday, every day. And the Bible says God added to their number, not weekly, daily. But somewhere along the track, we've lost our way. Somewhere along the track, we became country club Christians where it's optional. This church gave it all to make sure that this thing. Do y'all realize because they gave it all, you have the choice to come on Sunday? Because they met every day, you have the choice to sleep in or not? Because they gave it all and met every day, we have this freedom in this country. Do y'all realize there are people dying just to hear about a resurrected Messiah? In one of the fastest growing places for Christianity in the world is Africa and Asia. And literally, if you are caught even mentioning your association with the name Jesus, you can be killed. And people are risking their very lives to just get this word that you and I neglect. Show up late. Do not participate. And these people are dying for this word. But we could care less. We're so privileged. We're so privileged. We're country club Christians. Well, there, 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 there's a second group I want to talk about. And they are called the, uh, they're called Senum Christians. I call them Senum Christians. C-E-N-Y-M. Senum. Senum. The, the Senum Christians are, are, are the Christians that come Christmas, Easter, New Year's, and Mother's Day. <laughs> and any other time outside of that, you're like, have you seen them? <laughs> Glory to God. Have you seen them? You seen so-and-so? I ain't seen them since New Year's. And you see so-and-so, I ain't seen them since Mother's Day. You see so-and-so, I ain't seen them since. They, these are my seen them Christians, right? And here's, here's the crazy part about this group of Christians. Check this out. They come Christmas, Easter, New Year's, Mother's Day. But I want to focus on the two holidays that they come where it should really be a life-changing moment. Check this out. These Christians celebrate two major holidays that have everything to do with Christ. But their hearts have not been transformed by him. This group sees the importance of attending on holidays because they are special days in Christianity. These Christians might even give up drinking or, or, or smoking or anything or fasting, whatever the case may be, on Easter or during the Lenten season. However, here's the great paradox. The, the, the greatest paradox is that they're celebrating the most life changing news in the world and it doesn't even affect them. You show up for holidays that, that, that happen because of miracles. 
Check it out. You show up for Christmas to celebrate a baby born through a virgin. You're celebrating a miracle, but you've not allowed a miracle in your heart. How do I know? Because you only come to celebrate the miracle. You're celebrating. Watch this. You're celebrating a man that was declared dead. But went back to the place where he was buried and he was gone. Another miracle. We celebrate Easter and Christmas, the them Christians, but they're not receiving the miracle. They celebrate it out of tradition, not, of trans, not out of transformation. That's the irony. That's the crazy part about it. You are coming to celebrate these two miracles, but you won't allow a miracle to happen in your heart. Seen them lately? Number three. This other group of Christians, cultural Christians, here they are. The one that decided but never received. And here, here's what I mean by that. Uh, they, 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 these, I can say this, I'll be bold about it. The church is to blame for this group. These are the ones who, who your mother said, hey, hey, pastor baptizing kids today. You need to go ahead and get baptized. Go on up there, go on up there, go on up there. Right? Because everybody else is doing it, you did it. See, they received, I mean, they, they decided to go up there because they were told to go up there, but they didn't receive the gift. They didn't receive grace. They didn't receive the message. They didn't receive the full understanding of the gospel. Right. Uh, or, or they went up there because their friends told them to go up there. Oh, my friends are going up there. Right. You made a decision on your own, but you never received God or Christ for yourself. And here's the crazy part. The church is often pushing for mass decisions by a show of hands. Repeat after me and other tactics that only confuse the matter. Right. Hey, have you been baptized? We want to have record breaking baptisms. I got a whole bunch of baptisms, but I'm not telling them the significance of it. I got a whole bunch of people making decisions for Christ, but I'm not discipling them. The church is to blame for that. The people who've made a decision, but they've not received the authentic download of what the gospel is. And this is why they are cultural Christians, because they're not living out the gospel lifestyle. Right. Right. Because the church has neglected them. And here's the thing. One of the things I love about Mosaic Church, I have a lot of people who say that. Man, you know what? One of the things I love about Mosaic Church, you explain to us why we do what we do. I've been in my church. I've been in church my whole life. I hear that all the time. I've been in church my whole life and I never understood why we do that thing. And this is what I say. If you're one of them people, guess what? You need to be rebaptized. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to get quiet there because don't nobody want to get their hair all messed up. They don't want no change in clothes. But your life is messed up because you're believing in the gospel that's incomplete. And there's nothing wrong with being rebaptized. You're saying, you know what? I want to do it right. I want to make it public. Like, you know what? I messed up in the past. I thought I knew what I thought I knew, but I didn't know what I thought I should know. And so guess what? I want to do it right. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, God is sitting up there like, man, I'm glad you got your stuff together. That makes sense to me. I receive that. I received it the first time and I receive it now. Baptisms happen on the third Sunday of every month. So uh, if that's you, we'd be happy to take you to the water. Glory to God. Fourth kind of Christian. I'm going to spend a little time here because this is where it's going to get a little ugly. Cultural Christians fall in this last category, not this last category, but this next category. They're partisans, politics, and the prosperity group. 
That's another group of, uh, uh, of cultural Christians. Prior to partisans, politics, and the prosperity group. I think, last week I shared, <laughs> I think last week I shared with you all a statistic that I saw on Fox News. Now, I watch Fox News because I like to see what everybody's saying. I want to see just how far we all are off with the facts and who really has the facts, right? We don't know. And so I watch both. I watch Fox, MSNBC, CNN. I watch all of it, man. I read all this stuff just to see what's going on. And listen, they all are confused. But I watched Fox and the and it was a sister. You know, Fox is very intelligent with how they how they Amen. illustrate stuff yes. and how they put information out there. So they had a sister get up there to talk about the latest data that right now the fastest growing uh, uh, group of people, uh, uh, according to research, is the people who select the nun. I'm, I'm, I'm no religion. I'm none. I'm part of none religion. Right. That that group of people and how. Protestant uh, Christianity is down is going down and, you know, we're declining and all of this stuff. But the part that I left out when I shared that information last week was that the sister said. Lord, help me. The sister said conservatives. She, she really literally said, you know, conservatives seem to be the group that still gets it. But Democrats. I'm not lying. She literally said that this sister said Democrats are the reason. That the church is declining. Stop it. Eddie, she said it, bro. You can Google it. She said, E, did she say it? My wife was there. I said, did she just, she didn't just say, why did he put the sister to say that? This time when I say sister, I'm talking about somebody with melanin. I said, why they do that? They normally don't give us the bikes like that on Fox. They get a sister to Mike and she blamed Democrats for the fall of Christianity. Cultural Christianity. Partisan. So in other words, what she was saying when she made that statement that, that Republicans and independents, they're not sinners. They don't have issues in their marriage. They don't, they don't deal with tax fraud. They don't deal with infidelity. They don't deal with any types of sin. Only them Democrats. And no Republicans or independents ever get abortions. That's what she's saying when she made such a very crazy statement. I said, man, next time y'all give the sister the mic, make sure it's the right sister. Right? Why didn't they get a mic to somebody like, now this is a sister who's not melanin, but I like her anyway. Why didn't they get a mic to somebody like Beth Moore? Huh? Put Beth Moore up there. Let's talk about Beth Moore. It's crazy how 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 certain groups of Christians condemn Beth Moore. But oh, my goodness, they raised Miss Paula White up on a pedestal. Amen. They condemn Beth Moore, but they put Paula White on a pedestal. And I know some of y'all looking like, who are these people you talking about, Pastor? Don't worry about it. Google it on your own. I ain't got time for it. All right. Let's talk about this. These are normally, these partisans, politics, and prosperity people, these are normally good citizens, but they mix American patriotism with Christianity to where they have become one and the same. In other words, their Christianity looks a lot like their patriotism. These are the ones who say, God bless you all. God bless America and everybody else or nobody else, right? These are the ones who are like, oh, man, it's not Christian to not love your country. What? Excuse me? 
I ain't worrying about this country. I'm worrying about the kingdom. I'm only going to be in this country for a point, a small point of my life. Eternity is up there. That's where I'm going to spend the majority of my life is eternity. Hopefully. Not Hades. <laughs> right? If, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm right about it, right? So this group is, is, is mixing their patriotism with their Christianity. Watch this. They say to be a conservative is to be a Christian and to be a liberal is not to be a Christian. Well, I, I don't like to talk about my political affiliation, but I will say that I'm certainly not on one side. I'm on the side that fights for social justice. I'll let you guess and figure it out. I'm on the side that says black lives matter. Amen. I'm on the side that says everybody should uh, be entitled to, to come to this country with the right proper way uh, uh, because they're trying to escape, watch this, a bad lifestyle. I'm on that side. I'm on that side to say a woman has a right to her body and only God can judge her. Amen. I'm on the side of love. I'm on the side that says there should not be as many homeless and poor people in this country with the number of million and billionaires that we have. I'm on the side that says we shouldn't even have billionaires if we have homelessness. I'm on the side that says we shouldn't have billionaires if we got people struggling with student debt. You figure out what side that is. That's the side I'm on. I'm not on the side that says vote your heart, vote your morals. Right? Because why? That's cultural Christianity. All right. So 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 here it is. I read something the other day. Actually, this morning. And it messed me up. My wife shared an article. She always shared articles. Y'all got to know my wife is a big part of why I be saying this stuff. She she like she knows she knows how to like get me going. She knows how to make me like, yeah, yeah, let's get it. She she knows how to push my militant button. Right, she let Shabazz come out every now and again. <laughs> so she be sending me these articles, and I'm like, let's go, let's go do something, let's go march or something, you know. And so, so my wife shared this article with me from uh, a Christian, well, they call themselves a Christian uh, media site. And I think Miss Gloria maybe even posted it. It's about uh, a well-known pastor, female pastor of the mega church who was once associated with the uh, prosperity preaching. Um, um, her name, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I hate to do it, you know, but, you know, I'll say it. Uh, her name is Paula White. And Paula White was on the Jim Baker show. And she's a Christian, right? But she falls right into this cultural Christianity. Check this out. She says this on the Jim Baker show. She says, and you're going to have to make a decision that won't be just held, that won't just be held accountable here for how things turn out for you, your children, your grandchildren. But you're going to have to stand accountable before God one day. Check this out. Not based on your opinion, your hurt, your wounding or what you think or what you don't. Educate yourself. Know the issues. Know the word of God. And then if you cannot align with the word of God, I don't see it. Can I tell you what she was saying in essence? Because she said it multiple times. And other Christian leaders, mega church pastor leaders, and I don't care who hears this, I'm speaking facts, have said to their congregations, if you do not vote for Donald Trump, in essence, you're going to hell. I've looked in my entire Bible from the index to the maps. 
and I don't see Donald J. Trump's name in there. I've looked from the index to the maps, and I don't see any word says vote. Amen. Never does it tell you who to vote for or how to vote. Matter of fact, when I read this thing, especially the New Testament, I'm focused on this one section, four books called the gospel. And if I read the gospel, they don't talk nothing about voting in this country. Matter of fact, America was not even discovered. It existed because there were indigenous people here, but not air quote discovered. So when I read this, you can't no Christian, no mega pastor, no bishop, no archbishop, no pope, unless you can show me in this thing right here that it says that I'm not convinced. And stop telling your congregations to do that. Vote your morals. That's not biblical. And this is what her reasoning was. Catch this. Because in certain states, they're saying that the Bible is hate speech. And that's the truth. It is. The Bible is hate speech about sin. The Bible is hate speech about lost people. But more than hate speech, this Bible is filled with love. And yeah, there are certain states that say that. But what did I say earlier? The church shall face persecution. They're not, nobody's trying to take our religious freedom. Amen. We have the freedom to believe what we want to believe. Amen. Just because we can't preach it in the schools and we can't preach it at our jobs, so what? We can still congregate. We can still share the gospel. People are going to be transformed not by how much you read this or how much you know this. going to be transformed by how much you show how much you know this. Yeah. Your lifestyle is the greatest sermon you love to preach. So when this sister says, if you don't vote for a man who can only serve for four years more, you're going to hell. I'm like, when did you come down and become Jesus? When did you become Jesus? Because my Jesus never said such a ridiculous thing. And this is where we're at in this culture. This is where we're at in this country. And we're talking about the great divide. That's why we're divided. And then if you read further, I promise you, this is how crazy this is. If you read further in the article, guess what else they start talking about? That if this man is removed from office, they're not saying, oh, my goodness, if he's removed from office, oh, it's going to be a rough time for everybody. Immediately, the next several paragraphs are filled with it's going to be violent. There are groups of people that's going to start killing people. That's all they're saying. It's like what? Well, then if that's the case and these are your supporters, my friend, you need to speak love into them. Don't don't say all you're doing is inciting a riot. You're inciting violence in the name of Christianity. Cultural Christians. Number five. The moral theist. The moral theist. This person, for this person, unless they are caught in an act of infidelity, there is no despair over their sin. This person feels righteous because of personal achievements, and they have become their own standard of morality. In order to reach this type of person, one must present them with the hard reality that they are not the standard of righteousness, but God is. 
These are the people that's like, I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do any of that. I don't watch secular TV. I don't listen to secular music. I'm just me and my Bible. <laughs> Glory to God. That's it. They are, that, that's the holier than thou people. Right? The moral theists. They act right. They do right. They say the right things. They avoid hanging out in the wrong places or being seen hanging out in the wrong places. But they're the same ones that's on their phones looking at you know what? I'm going to speak the truth. They're publicly moral but privately immoral. Church is filled with these type of people. They're cultural Christians. Number six and I'm done. There's the generational Catholic or denominationalists. Now, according to the book that I read from in Sira, uh, he only says the generational Catholic. And so the, my only challenge with this wonderful book, by the way, if you don't have it, is that uh, in Sira doesn't do enough cultural research. And for us, it's not a Catholic thing, but for people with melanin, it's sometimes a denominational thing. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, this type of person is Catholic because their culture and or ethnic background, not so much because they are identifying with a set of beliefs. Right. So you got a bunch of people born Catholics because, well, my family is a Catholic and 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 Italians were Catholics or Puerto Ricans were Catholic. Culturally, that's what we do. And then you got some people with melanin. Well, 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 ain't no such thing as a good church unless it's an AME church. And AMEs ain't as good as Baptists because Baptists preach better than the AMEs, but AMEs got more polity and politics in the church, right? So they're born into a certain denomination and everything that, 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 that predicates their Christianity, everything that their Christianity is predicated on is that tradition. And it's a whole bunch in the church, whole bunch of churches just filled with that type of people. They make sure that they they make sure that they go to confirmation. They make sure that they 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 get they, they, their kids get baptized when they're supposed to get baptized. Why? So that their kids can say they are Catholic. So that their kids can say that they are AME. So that their kids can say that they are saved. But they never receive Christ on their own, right? So they're they're generational Catholic. And here's the thing: we got generational Catholics and denominationalists in our church. Right. We got people that are in 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 in, in church right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying in this room, I'm saying today, modern day, that that literally they do something only because that's what they've been taught to do. We, I, I, they go to church. That's the one thing I love about Mosaic Church is that people always say, and I said it earlier, they're like, you know what? We've done this. all. We, we've done communion on first Sunday. Why we don't do communion on first Sunday at this church, pastor? And then I flipped the question. Well, why did you do it on first Sunday at your old church? I don't know. That's just what we did. Tell me the why, though. Amen. Oh, you don't know. Because it's tradition. It's not a heart thing. It's not out of heart commitment. Right. We do certain things out of tradition. And there are some of us that refuse to let tradition go. And the more we hold on to tradition with two hands, we have nothing to grab on to Jesus with. Because we be gripping that tradition. I ain't letting it go. First Sunday, that's got to be, that's got to be for uh, communion. We got to be baptized, uh, uh, one, one baptism every month. Every, we hold on to tradition with two hands. And we got nothing to grab on to Jesus with. You got to let go of those traditions. And here's the thing. Even though we in non-denominational churches, we bring our denomination to those non-denominational churches. 
How do I know? Well, I'm not going to say in this church, but I will tell you in the seven years we've existed, a lot of people have tried to incorporate traditionalism in this place. And I've rebuked it. <laughs> Being real. Yeah. I rebuked it. Because in this church, we have people from multiple backgrounds. We got some that speak in tongues and some be like, yo, y'all do that here? All in the same church. That looks a lot like the church in Acts, right? We got people that were former Catholics. We got some that were former Muslims. Assalamu alaikum to y'all, right? We got a very diverse amalgamation of people at this church from a diverse background. We got PKs and some who ain't never don't even know what PK mean. That's preacher's kids. I probably I probably got like I just thought about it in this room. Like 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 three percent of y'all are PKs. <laughs> I just thought, I, look, look, one of the PKs is jumping up. Another one is like shrieking in her seat. The other one got his suit on over there waiting. I'm telling you, listen, I'm calling out all my PKs in the house. I got a lot of PKs on this Sunday. Goodness gracious. But that's even a tradition. Because I guarantee the three PKs that I'm talking about have different experiences from even their their childhood, from how their fathers ministered the gospel. Traditional. And I'm so grateful that these PKs in here have let go of that tradition. That's why they're here. Amen. All right. And so these are the six. Uh, and I, that's all I got for you all today. Really, these are the six, the six uh, cultural Christians that are in every church. And here's the thing. I guarantee out of that six, we could all probably say we were in one of those categories before, currently straddling that category right now and eagerly trying to get out of that or eagerly trying to get out of one of those categories. Right. But here's what I know. You cannot fix what you refuse to address. You cannot fix what you refuse to address. Right. You you can't confront or, or, or change what you're not willing to confront. I'll say it that way. And the thing is, if you are in any of those three and guess what? I'm the pastor. And when I did this, when I was reading this book, I said, shoot, I can't pastor being in one of these groups. Right. I got to fix me. But that's that's what I have to start with. I have to look like what I said. We all have to look internally and begin to fix what's internally wrong with us so that it can be expressed externally with us for us. Right. So I'm not hurting you. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I am helping you. Remember when mama and them used to say that? Like this going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I was like, I promise you it's not. I, I promise you it's not. I just know it's not going to hurt you as much as it hurt me. And they, they, all y'all laughing because I guess y'all understand that one, right? And I think they meant well. I really, I mean, what they meant was I didn't understand it until I became a parent. Now, I haven't had to, to use the rod much, you know. I've had to use it. But it does hurt when you present a truth to somebody that you're about to hurt. When you're disciplining somebody. And that's what today was. Making you look inwardly. That's not comfortable. That's not good. Right. Especially if you fit into one of those six groups. It's like, dang, man, you just gonna call me out like that pastor. No pastor got issues, too. But I want to fix my issues. But I also want to help you fix yours, because I don't want this next generation of Christians, our children to grow up in what Christianity is today. Amen. It's not God honoring. 
It doesn't look like God. It's terrible to go overseas and minister the gospel. And they're like, oh, you American? And all they can say is like, really? I mean, y'all do Christianity a lot differently than how we do it over here. Like, really, y'all have all of these wonderful things, but y'all don't make it urgent. Y'all in church for 90 minutes. If you go 95, people are upset. But in Africa, we're walking 15, 20 miles in the dark to get to church. And we're not going to leave until, watch this, not till pastor says amen, but until something happens. In churches with no walls, just a rooftop. In churches with no fans or AC. In churches with plastic chairs or bring your own chair. And if you don't have one, they're standing there, they're sitting there on the ground, on the dirt with mosquitoes that, watch this, actually can cause malaria. They're risking their lives for the gospel. And we can't sit comfortably for a good message about the gospel for 90 minutes. So when we go tell them about how to be a Christian, looking at us like, really? Y'all, 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 I don't like that kind of Christianity. That just seemed too easy for me. I like what we're going through. I hate that we're persecuted. I hate that we can't worship freely. But you know what? I love what's happening as a result of it. The persecuted church is the fastest growing church right now in the world. And you know what? I welcome persecution for us because we need it. That's the only way revival is going to happen. We need to have a major awakening, a great persecution. This divide that's happening in our faith, and I'm done right here. It's necessary. We have to see the error in our ways in order to deal with those errors, in order to fix our ways. Amen? Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.